guys. Man. You're clapping for me, right? Is that, is that, am I getting that right? No, you guys are awesome, and we thank you for bringing us God's word through song. 
this morning. Uh, my name is Joe McKechnie, and I am so blessed to be the pastor here at Chapel Roswell. And this morning, we continue with our series entitled The Chapel Roswell Mixtape. Now, uh, for the last several weeks, if you've been with us, we're looking at good tunes that bring us the good news. And we've looked at a variety of songs from different eras, from different genres, from different backgrounds, and we bring them together to help us dig deeper into God's Word. This morning obviously comes from the band U2. It takes us back to 1987, where the streets have no name. We'll talk about that in just a second. Now, I'm really honored and excited to be here. This is only week eight for me, okay? So I'm still kind of getting the lay of the land and learning names and all of that kind of stuff. But my family and I were so honored and humbled and excited to be here. Now, we, we moved from a church in Canton about 40 minutes away from here, and my wife and I, we have an 11-year-old son, an 8-year-old daughter, as you've heard me talk about before, and yesterday was a big day for us. We had been anticipating this for a couple of months. You see, we, we bought a house about 12 minutes from here, and we closed on the house eight weeks ago, but the family from whom we bought the house, they weren't able to get out until yesterday, so we've kind of made the, the commute back and forth between Canton and, and Roswell. But yesterday was a day that we've been looking forward to for so long. We get to move into our new house. The, the day just arrived so quickly. We're hurried around the house trying to get everything packed and everything ready. And, and I'll be honest with you, I am just amazed how much clutter we're able to accumulate in a short period of time. My goodness. So, so yesterday was the big day. Like I said, we've been counting down for a long time. It's been the big day on the calendar. The movers came to our, our house in Canton. They were quick. There were four guys. They got everything boxed up, and, or not boxed up, but all the boxes onto the truck, all the, the furniture and, and everything. And so finally, this big day of heavenly bliss that we had been excited about. I couldn't wait to, to get everything unpacked and organized and to sleep in our own bed under our own new roof, to tuck the kids into bed in their brand new bedrooms, and, and just kind of everything is well with the world. Now, the movers did this awesome job, and, and, and I couldn't wait to experience the first memories of the new house on the first day, on the first night, and I offered the movers something to drink, and one of them said, yeah, I'd just like a glass of water. So I, we had been working in the kitchen. I knew where all the glasses and plates and cups and all that kind of stuff, where they were packed or where they were unpacked now. And so I grabbed a, a glass, and, and he said, tap water's fine. So, so I, I turned on the tap, and, and, and all of a sudden, this haunting feeling. I hadn't had the water turned on. <laughs> oh, my goodness, why? What, what, what happened? My, uh, it was just panic that, that kind of struck over me. It's Saturday morning. The water department is closed. It's tomorrow's Sunday. The water department is closed. So on the first night after moving into the new house, we had to stay somewhere else. <laughs> now, and I realized what I had done, and I will seek repentance to my wife right now, <laughs> that I promise... I filled out the form online, and I looked back this morning. What did I do wrong? There was a little box at the bottom that said, attach your, your warranty deed or something, and, and I failed to do that. I had submitted everything, assumed everything was fine, didn't hear back, and so that's the deal. And so we're, we're getting ready last night, this change of plans. We're going to go stay somewhere else. I, I grabbed my clothes for tomorrow, and those of you who are fashion conscious are going to look at me and say, my goodness, Joe, you were just a hideous fashion statement because I realized I got the wrong shoes and the wrong belt. They're still packed in the new house. I don't know what's going on. But, you know, one of those days where you, you couldn't wait, your expectations were, were so high, and you couldn't wait for this exciting day to come, and it came, and it kind of went. 
that, that can be anxiety-inducing at times. That can certainly rock your world at times. And you know what? Sometimes the, the message of Jesus does that too. He takes us to a place that challenges us, that, that, that stretches us. And where that's where the song this morning takes us. And that's where our scripture takes us this morning as well. Uh, like I said, we're, we're going back to 1987, where the streets have no name, the Irish band U2. And regardless of anyone's personal likes or dislike of music, there's no denying that U2 is one of the premier bands of all time. And it's fueled, I think, by their lead man, their, their front man, Bono. And Bono wrote this song, Where the Streets Have no name. Back in 1985, he was on a humanitarian mission trip in famine-starved famine Ethiopia. He had seen human tragedy up front on this trip to Ethiopia, but, but he also recalled his times growing up in Northern Ireland where there was a lot of conflict between the Catholics and the Protestants, and there were constant clashes. There were a lot of bloody battles, and the, street, and the, the city rather of uh, Belfast was so heavily segregated that truthfully you, you could tell about somebody by the street on which they live. Oh, that, that's the part of town where the wealthy Catholics come from, or that's the, the part of town where, where the poor Protestants dwell, and you could tell by somebody's address what they were like, or, or seemingly, or, or, or so that's what the stereotype was, and, and so he wanted to, to talk about a place where, where the streets have no name. In other words, where, where there isn't the, the, the way to, to throw these assumptions or these stereotypes or, or even these misconceptions or misperceptions on those around us. Maybe if you think of the name, for example, Rodeo Drive, maybe a certain connotation comes to mind. There, there might be a, a street in Atlanta, for example, I want to stay away from after night. Um, for example, we, we moved down here from, from Canton. It was a neighborhood called Bridge Mill. It's a, a huge neighborhood, about 2,500 homes, ranging from starter homes to just million-dollar mansions. It's a huge, sprawling thing. Sends kids to two different high schools, for example. And when you find out that someone lives in Bridge Mill, the first question you ask, what do you think it is? What street do you live on or what side do you live on? And so you could find out somebody lives in Bridge Mill, and, and like I said, that's a massive place, bigger than a lot of small cities, and you would ask, what street do you live on? And you could can, can make kind of a connotation, maybe a good way, maybe a bad way, oh, they're, they're from the, the, the super wealthy part of town or, or something like that. But you could tell a lot about them when you ask the question, oh, on what street do you live? And so that's where our scripture takes us this morning. If you've got your Bibles with you, I invite you to open to the book of Galatians. There are also Bibles, I think, in the pews. And those are something, if you want to take one with you, we invite you to do that. We can go through and restock. But I want folks to have the word of God with them. Okay, so we're going to go to the book of Galatians chapter 3, okay? That's where our scripture takes us this morning. And hear how this ties in, how this connects with this place where the streets have no name. This is the Apostle Paul. Before we read it, let me give you a little bit of context, okay? A little bit of historical background, if you will. 
the book of Galatians. It was written by the Apostle Paul, and he wrote it as a letter to several different Christian churches in the region known as Galatia. That's what now is modern-day Turkey over in Eastern Europe. And many of the early Christians, they came from a Jewish background, okay, and they looked at Jesus. They recognized Jesus as the fulfillment of all of this Jewish prophecy. They recognized him as the Messiah. But that could cause some friction at times because there were some Christians who didn't come from the Jewish background. They were referred to as Gentiles. And so you had some folks who were coming into the faith from a Jewish background. They had the Jewish customs. They knew the Jewish laws. They had the Jewish rituals underway. But then you had some people coming in from a non-Jewish background, and they were coming in together. If I was from a Jewish background, for example, I would expect all the, the, the believers in many cases to, to come to know Jesus through their Jewish faith, through our strict moral code, through the fact that, that circumcision was a part of our culture, through the fact that we were separated by, because of, of different, different parts of our faith and our tradition and our history, and, and Jesus was the fulfillment of our prophecy. Maybe there were others who were coming in from a, a non-Jewish background, and people would look at them differently, and there were friction, or there was friction in, in the early church because of that. And so many of uh, the Jewish people almost expected you to become Jewish before you came to know Jesus as Messiah. So Paul was writing to a culture that had a lot of that friction, had a lot of that kind of stuff going on. And just as Northern Ireland had experienced stark disagreement, this, uh, clashes even between uh, the, the Protestants and the Catholics, the, the early church was going through tensions of their own. So Paul is writing this letter to address some of these tensions. And here's what he tells them, Galatians 3, 26, 27, and 28. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, that's big, okay, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all in one in Christ Jesus. You are all in one in Christ Jesus. There's neither Jew nor Gentile. I mean, that would have been scandalous to some of the folks to hear, for some of the early believers to understand. They were so caught up in their Jewish pedigree, in their heritage, in their background, that they failed to recognize the unity that we have in Christ because of the work on the cross. The passage tells us that there is neither slave nor free. Now, in those days, a boy, for example, in a wealthy Greek family, he would have a slave who would take care of him. The slave was known as a guardian. And the guardian was entrusted with the well-being of this small child. The, the, the slave would go everywhere with this child. The, the child obeyed the slave, and the slave obeyed the father. Now, when the boy was kind of old enough, the young child old enough to understand, he moved out of this arrangement. No longer was he reporting to the slave, but now he would report directly to his father. And obviously, there were massive socioeconomic differences between those who were slaves and those who were not. And yet, Paul in the scripture writing to the Galatians says that through Christ, 
we are God's children. I mean, that's powerful stuff. That would have really rocked their world. That would have sent many, honestly, into a spiritual tailspin as they came to understand the truth of who Jesus is. That would have been revolutionary to some folks. Despite the differences in heritage and background and pedigree or even gender, the Bible tells us that because of Jesus, we are accepted into God's family. And that's the message that the Apostle Paul is sending to the Christians in Galatia and the message that God wants to send you and me this morning. Now, we fast forward to the year 1985. The lead singer of U2, Bono, like I said, he's crafting his, his writing. He's an Ethiopian. He says, I want to run. I want to hide. I want to tear down those walls that hold me inside. I want to reach out and touch the flame where the streets have no name. Where the streets have no name. I mean, that's the message, the radical power of the gospel, that despite our backgrounds, despite our differences, we have unity in Christ. Going back to verse 26, there are two words that really stand out, okay? I'm going to read this once, and, and I want you to think about this for a second, okay? It says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God, through faith. Wait, through what? Through faith. Is it through being a good enough person? No, because I'll be honest with you, I've tried that, and I will fail miserably if I am in my own strength. Are we a part of the family of God? Are we the children of God because of our background or our heritage or our pedigree? Well, some people assumed that. Are we children of God because we look a certain way? No, but, but very often we can have that misconception. Am I a child of God because of my good deeds, because of what I do? No, because the truth is that I can't always do the right thing or I'll stumble or I will fail or I will fall. But the scripture tells us clearly that it's through faith in Jesus that we experience this freedom in life. And without this growing relationship with Christ, we allow our barriers to get in the way of who it is that God wants us to be and where it is that God wants us to go and how it is that God wants us to live. We've got these barriers that come up that keep us out of living the joy and the hope and the peace that Christ wants us to have. I know very often it's easy to, to, to kind of forget this in the, the hustle and bustle of our daily lives. And yesterday morning, we were, like I said, we were at our home in Canton. We were uh, kind of getting everything ready. The movers were here, and, and so we knew that it was kind of go time. And our daughter, our eight-year-old daughter, Grace Ann, she, she cut her foot. It wasn't a big deal. We could, we could tell that it wasn't any sort of serious injury, just some blood trickling out. Now, my wife and I, we... Realized, oh, where's our stuff? Where are our band-aids? Where's the stuff to put on it? We had no idea where the boxes were. And so I turned around, and there was a sock on the floor. I don't know how in the world we'd missed the sock as we packed everything else. So I reached down to pick it up, and on the back of the sock, there, there was a brand-new band-aid. It, it was kind of cool. I mean, I, I know that, that, that with all the, the, the spinning of the globe yesterday, that was far from the biggest act that God did. That was far from the biggest miracle that God performed yesterday. But my goodness, what a reminder it was that, you know what, this is hectic, this is crazy. But, but Christ is in the midst of this. 
the, the early Jews didn't recognize Jesus as the Messiah. The Protestants don't recognize the Pope as the head of the church. And, of course, Baptists don't recognize each other in the liquor store. And so you've got these, these, these folks who, who are coming together. And the Scripture is saying, but we are one. We are one in Christ through our faith. So Bonner wrote about the dangerous, the the bloody streets of Northern Ireland and and the barriers that that get in the way of our relationships with one another and maybe the barriers that that pop up in our relationship with God. Those barriers could keep me from maybe being the husband that I'm called to be or the daddy that God wants me to be or the pastor that the Lord is calling me to be. Or maybe those barriers that, 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 that we allow to, to structure up in our lives uh, take away from the ways in which we view other people. Or those barriers keep me from, from seeing a certain circumstance or situation from the vantage point of God. It could affect the way even we see ourselves. Uh, let me quickly take you back to the Revolutionary War. There was a pastor uh, by the name of Peter Miller, and he was friends with George Washington. They actually were really kind of buddy-buddy, chum-chum, and, and there also lived a man in this area. His name was Michael Whitman. Now, Michael Whitman, he was just a constant thorn in the side of this pastor. It's like his whole existence was just to drive this poor pastor bonkers. And one day, Michael Whitman, this, this, this guy who was kind of stirred up trouble in the town, he was uh, arrested, and he was charged with treason, and he was sentenced to death. This old preacher, Peter Miller, he, he, he walked, he trekked 70 miles to Philadelphia. He wanted to meet with George Washington personally. And he wanted to plea for the life of this guy who had been charged with treason. And Washington said, you know what, I can't grant you a pardon for your friend. But this preacher said, you know what, he's not my friend. This man may be the biggest enemy I have. So George Washington was stunned by this. And he said, you walk 70 miles to save the life of an enemy? That puts this matter in a different light. I will grant the pardon. And now what a beautiful picture this paints. The picture of Christ and the work on the cross that despite our sin and our shame and our guilt, we have freedom and redemption and we are set free. I mean, that's powerful stuff. In our song, Bonner writes, I want to run, I want to hide, I want to tear down those walls that hold me inside. Now, now think about this just real, real, real briefly. What, what, what are those walls uh, that are holding you in? What are those things that are, that are a barrier in your life that, that keep you from experiencing the hope and the peace and the freedom and the joy that God wants you to live out? And maybe for some of you, joy right now seems like the farthest thing in the world. Or hope or, or peace in your life or in your relationships just seems so distant, whether it's a distant memory or so far from what you think you can live out now. What are those walls that that God is saying, I want you to tear down? Maybe maybe it's the walls of unforgiveness, because I know that that can bring about bitterness and resentment, and that's not good. Maybe it's the walls of of shame, that, that something from your past keeps you from living out the joy that God wants you to have here and now. Maybe it's judgments that that you've made about those around us. Because the scripture tells us that Jesus didn't come to enhance our lives. He came to save our lives. 
to transform our lives, not, not through our strength, but through his. C.S. Lewis, the, the author of the Chronicles of Narnia, he also wrote a book called Mere Christianity, which is kind of a, 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 kind of a, a staple of those in seminary. Pastors read that all the time. And this is what he writes. He says, when Christ said, be perfect, he meant it. He meant that we go all out for the full treatment. It's hard, the sort of compromise that we are hankering. It's harder. In fact, it's impossible. It may be hard for an egg to turn into a bird. It would be a jolly sight harder for it to learn to fly while remaining an egg. We are like eggs at present, he writes. You cannot go on indefinitely living just like an ordinary egg. You go hatched or you go bad. And likewise, in our own Christian lives, the the Scripture is calling us to to grow, to experience maturation, to to, to keep understanding the ways in which God is chiseling our hearts to, to, to bring about freedom and redemption and hope and peace. And Galatians assures us, reminds us, that it's through our faith that we become children of God. It's through our faith. Now, this morning, here's what I want us to do. You'll notice on your, your seat there, there was a Monopoly card. Now, I'll be honest with you, it's been a long time since I've played Monopoly. And when you think of the game Monopoly, you think of the different streets. I mean, some streets are valued with a high dollar amount, and some are, are just kind of seen as kind of lowly. And on your card, you'll notice the name of a street. Now, everyone's card is different. Okay, so you'll see a different street than maybe somebody else would. But, but the streets, the names of those streets, they, they, they carry kind of a certain connotation, maybe a stereotype or, or something that maybe you want to read into it. And as we worship in our closing song together this morning, uh, what I'm going to have you do is take that card. There are Sharpies on, on the inside aisles of the pew or sometimes on the outside aisles, and just take that, and I want you to cross through the name of that street. Okay, you're going to keep the card. You're not going to give it back to us. You can keep it, just use it as a tangible reminder of the fact that that we are all set free, that we are all in unity through Christ, through faith. Okay, so just kind of cross that out. You don't do it now. You can do it when we stand and sing the last song. Uh, But I hope it's just a tangible and a visible reminder of just all the work that God is doing in your life and in my life And, and the ways in which we respond to that. Are we welcoming of the transformation that Christ wants to bring about? As God says, I want to tear down those walls. We want to live and we want to love as Jesus. And so I'm going to ask that that, that you pray with me this morning, okay? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the plans and the purpose that you have for each of us. That regardless of what we think of ourselves, we are of such worth in your eyes. And Lord, the the scripture tells us that we are wonderfully made. And I pray that the Holy Spirit allows us to understand just how loved we are by you. And Lord, the, the, the gospel is the good news, not just good views of Jesus. And we thank you for the ways in which you are at work in our lives, for the ways in which you've forgiven us, for the ways in which you have poured out your mercy and your grace. And Lord, we ask that your spirit stir within us to to show us, to remind us of the amazing ways in which your fingerprints are all over our lives. 
Help us to remember and live out the fact that our faith is not about what we do for you. It's about what Christ has done for us, about placing our total trust in you to surrender our agendas to your divine will. Lord, I pray that you'll fill us with your hope, your joy, your peace, and your power. We rejoice in your truth and your hope and your promise. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.